Welcome to Audio Stories, Youth Taking Action, a mini-series sponsored by the National Training and Technical Assistance Center and Youth Move National. Audio Stories is a project created to look at the important work that youth and young adults across the nation are doing in areas of mental health and other youth-serving systems to highlight the achievements surrounding topics that advocate for change. Today, we will be speaking with Mariah Larkin, who works as a System of Care Youth Engagement Specialist at the Minnesota Association for Children's Mental Health, to talk about using creative expression to approach youth engagement. And hello, Mariah. My name is Joshua Kellerino. I work at Youth Move National as a youth program specialist, and I'm kind of just here to get to know you a little better, find out some more about you. To that end, how did you get started in this work? Yeah, that's a great question. I had previously been, um, right before I started at MACMA, it's our acronym, um, I had been working in the Minneapolis public schools as a reserve teacher or substitute teacher. And I'd also been working as a teaching artist with a couple of different theaters around the Twin Cities. So I was really starting to realize that I had a passion for working with young people. And so that kind of combined with my interest in mental health advocacy and systems change. And I was really realizing that those two things could align when I happened to find the position description and the job posting. I am somebody who went through a lot of different parts of the mental health care system when I was a teenager. So I'm keenly aware of how, of the various ways in which they can traumatize youth and some of the various ways in which they can help youth so long as, you know, it's the right services at the right time um, and the right people offering them. So it's kind of, yeah, it's a mix of all of those things. Um, and I really appreciated when I was looking at the position that MACMA has such a strong arts programming and my back, my background is actually in theater. And so to be able to sort of come in with my theater knowledge and this new knowledge I'd been gaining around working with young people and then just my own history of being a client or a person receiving services in the mental health care system and wanting to advocate for improvements in those systems all just kind of perfectly combined and aligned as I found this position. That is so wonderful to hear and it's really exciting to hear that you have this sort of theater background and how much that can combine in this work that you are doing. I think that goes especially so for advocacy, right? Using those theater skills of speaking and engaging and being presentable. And that can be great for when you have to do things like strategic storytelling. So that was really awesome. And you had a great point that talked about how the system of care is a system that is effective, but kind of requires a few things to line up, right? It needs to be, like you said, the right people at the right time and it needs to be the right kind of service, which seems very broad and almost like all those three things have to align to make this sort of sorely eclipse of things to occur. So it's just so important to think about it that we have these systems of care that are in place, but that there are many shrags that can be taken to improve them as well. So I'm just really glad that you were able to touch upon that a little bit, that there is some parts in some cases with the system of care where sometimes they can cause trauma and be less than helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think crisis services are one of the main examples of that, right? I mean, 
in so many instances, especially when people aren't necessarily aware of services that are available to them in the case of a crisis, all that's available is potentially checking somebody into inpatient, whether or not that's actually going to be the most helpful intervention for them at that time. Um, certainly in Minnesota, there, we still have a lot of work, a lot of growth to do, and I, I hope that we're continuing on the path that we started down. Yeah, I certainly also hope so. There are some good things that are coming of the work that you were doing. In 2020, you released a magazine entitled Voices of Experience. And can you just tell us just a little bit about that project? Yeah, Youth Voices of Experience. We wanted to uh, highlight the youth part of that. But basically, we had really started or at the end of 2019 was when I started in my position. Um, and I was working with my colleague, uh, Matt Jensen, on creating what our Youth Move Minnesota would look like, what programming would look like, who we'd be partnered with. And we had just had our first lot, like in-person kickoff event um, at the end of February uh, in 2020. And so just a couple of weeks after that, a couple of weeks before we had planned to have our next in-person event, of course, COVID shut everything down and we found ourselves needing to pivot pretty dramatically to ensure that we were still reaching out and connecting with young people who wanted to have their voices and have their stories heard and do so in a way that was also going to be safe for everyone involved. So we came up with this idea of we wanted to have a digital, collaborative, creative project that could happen over a long period of time. And so pretty quickly, we figured out that the best model for that would be to create a digital magazine. And the intention was to create a digital magazine and a digital podcast. Now, because we based the magazine off of uh, proposals that are submitted, sometimes we would find that we didn't actually have that much audio content to share. And so we ended up switching over and sort of focusing directly on the digital magazine. So kind of stepping away from the podcast, but focusing more on the magazine because we could also feature um, audio pieces there. So basically what that looked like at the beginning was we had a handful of mentors who are professional artists who Matt and I happen to know in the community and with a small number of proposals from youth ages 12 to 22 across Minnesota, Matt and I initially met with each of these young people and spoke to them about what their projects would entail. And then based off of the scope of that, we would offer them a commission and ask them if they wanted to work with a mentor or not. And if they did, we would set them up to work with a mentor. Um, and I think we put the first issue of the magazine together probably within like a month and a half. So it was a pretty quick turnaround on the first one. And we've now just published our fifth issue. You had mentioned a few things that this was kind of the result or an innovation that was created in response to the pandemic kind of opening up and kind of shifting the world essentially overnight out of nowhere. So it's an interesting response to that, to create uh, this digital magazine. You said that there were a number of things that were in place. It seems like a number of decisions were made. You were involved. There were a couple of others involved. There were different like youth mentors if you could tell us maybe more specifically with some, some more details of who all was involved in this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Youth Move Minnesota um, is housed under MECMA. And then we also have a number of different local groups across the state that we partner with. So these are either groups that are based in schools, are their own nonprofits, some are youth drop-in centers. And so initially we sent out this call for proposals to 
those groups of people, we posted a couple of things on Facebook in order to contact the first group of, um, or to build up the first group of artists who we were going to feature. And then since then, it's been a number of those same youth artists who have come back and created additional pieces. Some of them have even like switched mediums and have tried different kinds of mediums, which has been really cool to see. We've now grown in the pool of mentors that we're working with. We've gotten to meet many more artists uh, across Minnesota who are just these fantastic leaders and are so wonderful in the way that they approach this work with young people. The mentors do a fantastic job of really helping the young artists be specific about what it is that they're wanting to communicate and what they're wanting their audience to take away. We ask that everybody writes um, an artist statement to go along with their pieces, right? So that they can have that moment of speaking directly to the people who are reading the magazine, often whom policymakers and other decision makers um, who are working in the mental health care systems. So it's really just been a collaboration between myself, my colleague, co-coordinator Matt, our mentors, and then the youth artists. And it's been really incredible to see a lot of the same artists return to create additional projects. What a big undertaking. I am getting chills just thinking about the amount of work that would have had to come in to get all those moving parts all individually to come into play to then get that tight turnaround for the month and a half and then to continue that with the same people is something special, certainly. So, and how did you plan it, right? I mean, that was a lot of moving parts. So getting down to the more nitty gritty, how did you plan it? And where did the idea come from? Was it organic? Was it was it like a group thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that because of the fact that both uh, Matt and I are artists, we're performing artists, we come from a background of really, yeah, utilizing creative expression as a means of coming to terms with our own stories. And so we immediately knew when COVID hit that like one, we needed to pivot and two, we wanted it to be creative. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that is kind of how it came to be. It was pretty organic. And I think just a really good testament to our collaborative partnership and the way that uh, we work together. And then in terms of planning, Uh, We realized that we wanted to get the first issue out by National Children's Mental Health Awareness Day. Uh, We knew we wanted to have it out by then. So that was what kind of set us up for that first round. And then it was the decision of like, okay, well, this seemed to work well. Let's just keep going. Um, And from there, it became um, a quarterly magazine and will hopefully continue to be so. Yeah, wow. Such an undertaking. And yeah, the Children's Mental Health Awareness Day, I believe that's every on May 7th? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, it's here. And, and what an important time. I could see why you would want to kind of get that in and be sure to have that prepared for such an important day. And I feel like you had touched upon something a little earlier about the idea of connecting creatively. I think with the advent of COVID and youth being removed from schools, people needing to stay home and everything becoming sort of digital and just having so many things change at once, a lot of outlets were removed overnight, essentially. A lot of self-care tools and all of these things that were once a normal thing that you could do uh, at your leisure were essentially stripped away. So there really is something to be said about having a creative outlet, something that you can really put thought into and all of that to sort of fill the gap. Yeah, absolutely. And that's 
one of the things that we've also been really intentional about is not only do we pay each of these youth for the project that they create and our commission start, we start paying them at $75 and it goes up from there depending on how much work they want to put into it. But we're also sure to then check in and, and see, you know, are there any materials that you're needing access to that you don't currently have access to that you need in order to complete this project in the way that you want to do it. Um, so I'm really glad that we've been able, that we've been in a position to be able to offer them that support as well. Because yeah, so many different aspects uh, of expression, so many different just avenues of being in the world were absolutely removed. And there was a lot of fear and confusion um, and anxiety. And so to be able to create this small little digital space in which young people were able to not only be seen and heard by other young people who had shared experiences, but to be able to do that in a way where they all got to then see how each of these people express themselves in terms of their art form. And they take such a wide range of expression um, and it's been such a gift to be a part of. So I, I've heard you mention the youth a number of times. You've talked about payments and, and they were a part of the process and all that. But I do want to know how involved were the youth in the process? You said that the idea kind of came from, from you and Medford, the creative side. But after that, or maybe even as a part of that, how involved were the youth in this? Yeah, I mean, they're ultimately the ones who drive this, right? Everything that's featured in the magazine comes from them. We started to hear relatively early on that they wanted to feel more connected to the other artists who were also being featured in the magazine. And so based off of that recommendation, we started having um, sort of like a beginning kickoff meeting where all of the different youth artists who were involved got to meet each other and talk and ask each other questions and also meet with their mentors and then after that, uh, we then have like a midway check-in. So that's another opportunity for the youth to get to connect with each other, to get a sense of where everybody's projects are going, again, to ask each other questions. And then we have our sort of like premiere or launch party where um, we all get to look at the magazine together and each youth has an opportunity to speak a little bit more about where that that project idea came from um, and sort of the message that they're wanting to get across. Yeah, and right now, as we're figuring out what it will look like for us to continue, we're also putting out a survey to get more input to see what aspects of this process have been helpful, what aspects are not helpful. So I, I hope that we can continue to get them even more involved than they already are. But yeah, and I, I believe we also had conversations with our um, Youth Advisory Council sort of at the beginning of all of this as well, in terms of figuring out what sort of opportunities we could offer people virtually. Yeah, in a small way, you answered us a bit of my next question, which is how did you maintain partnership with youth throughout? You mentioned having an advisory council and you had talked about uh, getting feedback from them about what was working, what was not working. Is there anything else that also uh, went into maintaining the partnership? Um, with the youth artists or just all of the youth that we work with? I would say all of the youth. Yeah, I mean, we've got lots of different sort of avenues for connection. I would say the magazine is the one that is probably the most far reaching um, in the sense that we've had the largest number of young people involved um, in the magazine, um, more so than like 
some of our other program offerings, which has been really, really cool to see. Um, and then what's been great about that is as we're then um, continuing on and trying to create additional like offerings, we're reaching out to that same group of people. So for instance, one of our upcoming projects is we'll be creating a video series in which a panel of youth uh, will be sitting down and talking with a mental health professional about various topics. Um, and several of the youth who are going to be on those panels come from our, uh, come from the magazine, have been featured in the magazine previously. So I think we have really only had the last two years to build up this program and to figure out what it was, one of those being in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, and so we're in this strange place where like we are finally starting to have this this much wider reach with the youth that we have worked with in the past um but beyond that we're then continuously trying to find additional ways to re-involve those same youth and so any new opportunity that we have any new project that we're coming up with that's the people who we're reaching out to we're casting a wide net and also welcoming people who we have not necessarily worked with before, but we're always going to continue to go back to the same people who have been a part of previous projects. Got it. Wow. So yeah, a very, very strong idea around how to maintain partnership and, and to kind of keep this collaboration and to just keep this all going. That's wonderful to hear. And you had touched upon this once again, a little bit uh, in that discussion. Um, is there a way that you could maybe give us an example of what projects have been featured or the topics of art uh, or, or the topics that the art has highlighted? Within yeah, the absolutely. I mean, there's been a huge, huge range. Um, and it's been really cool because some of them will be, um, we'll see several that are sort of like in the same issue, right? And then, and like all sort of revolve around the same topic and that has happened organically, which has been really cool. Um, but we've seen discussion of sexual assaults, of living with PTSD, um, how we had a portrait series where one youth artist um, actually interviewed um, several of his friends to ask them how they individually experienced the symptoms of depression and anxiety and then painted portraits um, encompassing each individual's experience of those symptoms. Um, we have seen several uh, songs and dance pieces, um, several illustrations that uh, are to communicate how a particular youth is coping with being quarantined um, and just sort of like that sense of isolation. Um, yeah, I mean, it really, there's so many different aspects that are encompassed. Um, We've also seen, yeah, people talking about dealing with like imposter syndrome and different aspects of identity. Um, yeah, <laughs> there, there's a lot. Yeah, so it seems like it just, it just whatever seems to be on the, in the minds of youth kind of in, in the general, uh, ether of the world kind of gets filtered into this magazine and express which is wonderful to hear and with with that and having such a wide variety I feel like it's open for anyone to be able to to read and to that end where can we find it where can we see this magazine yeah absolutely um it's on our website so youthmove-mn.org is where you can find all of the issues of it 
Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. We mentioned it earlier, this creative expression that is so vital um, and how it has affected you and affected the youth now in the creation of this magazine. Why is it important to engage in creative expression with young people? Absolutely. I thank you for this question. I think that it's so important and something that we don't necessarily always know how to talk about. Um, but certainly something that we're always seeing there be this public discussion about, especially when, you know, funding for arts programs is one of the first things to go in schools. Art is essential. And I think that in terms of what it offers of an individual's processing of particular events or emotions, what it offers in terms of connection to other people who have similar experiences, um, and also just what it means to create a process that can then be repeated in creating additional works of art. Personally, like I said, my background is in theater, and the opportunities that I have had to create art about my experiences has been so essential to my ability to understand and reintegrate them into my identity and my understanding of myself. That's something that should absolutely be available to any and every young person, especially because in our society, I think we're maybe starting to figure this out in slightly new ways, but we're not really given space or tools that really help us talk about our feelings all of the time, right? That's not something that we are focused on. We're focused on productivity and how we function in this capitalist system. It's not about really being intentional about how we experience our feelings and how we move through them. And so when a young person is able to create a piece of art that expresses how they're feeling and other young people are able to see that and go, oh, I get that. I feel that too. Then you're, it's just such a natural way to make them feel connected to each other and to make them feel like they're not alone in what they're experiencing. Um, and I don't think that we can ever really name the true value of that, right? There's, I don't think words can do that, do that justice. The feeling that you get when you see a piece of art and you can relate to it deeply. Yeah, and I think also, like I said, the what it means to, to create your own artistic process, right? It becomes not only a process of healing and reintegration, but it becomes a process of, that you can repeat time and time again in order to get a, a different result, but in order to at least move through that process intentionally. Yeah, it feels like you're speaking that there is a quintessential piece in the creative process or the process of looking at art or engaging with art that just can't really be described quite so well in words. There is something just really powerful and moving about the act of forming a piece of art and then presenting it to others and, and people being able to relate to it. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> I think like after we had published the second or third issue with the magazine, I remember seeing like a New York Times article or something and it was titled, is kid art real art? And I just remember laughing at that title because the idea of that being a question at all is so absurd. What does it do for us to try to be super specific about defining the boundaries of what is art and what isn't art? And two, what is the point of trying to say that a piece of art that a child creates is any less meaningful or powerful than something that an adult creates. So I think that this process has just been a really lovely way to continually remind myself how absurd questions like that are, because of course it is. All artistic expression is art. I wholeheartedly agree. And you've talked about the, the magazine and we've talked about how impactful it has been. And it makes me curious, what are other projects that Youth of Minnesota has participated in? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, we're, uh, we are starting to create this video series. So basically, um, in conversations that we had had with our youth advisory council back in, it would have been last summer then, um, we were hearing from them that, you know, they are really excited about finding some more opportunities to step in and be advocates. But before they do that, they feel like they need more information about these systems and about the history of these systems um, and these ideas where it all comes from. Because, you know, we're not having a ton of like deep discussions about the history of the DSM in high school or in middle school. But these high schoolers and these middle schoolers are interacting with the systems that are you know, guided by that every day. So how can we, how can we give them these tools? And so what they told us was that they wanted to be able to um, just hear directly from experts who can tell them about these things. Um, and so we sent out a survey with a huge, 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 very broad number of topics touching on, again, like the history of the mental health care system, but also on social justice, on racial justice you ask them, what are the things that you want to be hearing about from experts? And based off of that, we created a speaker series. So on Monday evenings, we would have an expert come in and give a presentation about this particular topic. And then there would be room for people to ask questions. We made the length of time based off of our survey results. However, what we found was that, especially in the midst of virtual schooling, coming to another virtual classroom feeling space was not something that was super attractive to young people, especially in the wintertime. And so we finished out that series and then realized that it's that, yes, these youth are still hungry for this information, but we need to present it to them um, in a slightly different way. And so we've had more conversations with our Youth Advisory Council um, and have had some experts come in and speak directly to that smaller group of people. But again, we wanted it to be much more accessible and we essentially wanted to create a program that would allow us to sort of certify youth mental health advocates. So now what we're going to be doing is creating a series of videos based off of those same topics where a panel of three youth will be interviewing and having a conversation with a mental health professional about those topics that will be about 10 minutes long. We'll make all of those publicly available um, and then when they're hosted on our website, we will also be creating a series of quizzes or assessments to go along with that so that at the end of that process, youth can come out of that with a certificate that says that they are a certified mental health advocate for Youth Move Minnesota. And so that means that then that pool of youth who is specifically educated on these topics, when we are asked to bring youth in for certain positions to advocate, that we have this group of youth who are educated on all of these topics who can step into those roles and step into those spaces and not have to rely so much on sharing their own personal stories, but can share their opinions within the context of the history that they've now learned. That's really our big focus right now. We're definitely in the midst of figuring out what the what our programming will continue to look like based on if we have additional funding for the system of care work come through or not. So of course, that's a really tricky place to be when you're trying to develop youth programming and trying to keep that going is knowing whether or not you will be able to, but hopefully we will be able to because yeah, like I said, this idea comes directly from what our youth advisory council is telling us and will hopefully be a really accessible and enjoyable resource that youth will seek out. What an amazing just idea. You really talked about that important point of sometimes 
advocacy is good when you just want to share your story, but having that knowledge base is so very, very important as well. So I'm so happy to hear that that is being put in place and people are being taught the history because it is such a big part of the system of care. So just amazing project all around. And what is one thing you want others to know about the work that you do? That it's possible for youth to be strong and powerful advocates without necessarily having to fall back on reliving or sharing aspects of their own trauma and that their opinions without those stories there are just as valid. And this one is just a freebie, just one that, I, that I'm asking for if there were anything that you want to say, if it could be anything in the world, if you wanted to share a message to the planet as a whole, what would that be? There's a lot of things I would want to say, um, but I think mainly if you're a young person who is experiencing symptoms of depression or anxiety and you don't necessarily understand why, but you know that there are things around you that are stressful or confusing, I just want people to understand that it makes sense. We have all of these diagnostic tools, the DSM, we have all of these ideas about different um, disorders and like, while there is a lot of important information in that, I think it's also important to remember that it's human nature to feel sad when sad things happen. It's human nature to feel anxious when there are things around you that you cannot control. And so rather than focusing on what it means and what it, what it means to carry around those particular diagnoses, like I have done since I was a very young person, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong or broken. Having the ability to experience your emotions fully just indicates that you are a human being and you are responding naturally and understandably to the world around you. This has been Audio Stories, Youth Taking Action. Thank you to Mariah Larkin for sharing more about using creativity to engage youth. To find out more about Youth Move Minnesota, visit www.youthmove-mn.org. A special thank you to the National Training and Technical Assistance Center, or NTAC, for sponsoring this project. NTAC services are designed for mental health professionals, primary care providers, peers, educators, system leaders, child welfare system professionals, juvenile justice staff, advocates, and others who work with youth and families. If you would like to receive support or technical assistance, visit nttacmentalhealth.org. And thank you from the Youth Move National Team. We strive to unite voices and causes of youth while raising awareness of youth issues in mental health, juvenile justice, education, and other youth-serving systems. To find out more and get connected to Youth Move National or a Youth Move chapter, visit www.youthmovenational.org. This presentation was prepared for NTAC under the Cooperative Agreement from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. This event is supported by SAMHSA of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as part of a financial assistance award totaling $15 million over five years from 2020 to 2025, with 100% funded by SAMHSA and the Department of Health and Human Services. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by, SAMHSA or the Department of Health and Human Services or the U.S. government.